Welcome everyone to Clearwater Jazz Holidays Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. We have Austin Vickery with us today. Hello, Austin. Hi, Steve. We're recording these sessions for the purposes of Clearwater Jazz Holiday Education and Outreach. If you have specific questions, please use the chat feature. Uh, we appreciate you remaining muted in these sessions for the courtesy of others, but we'll get those questions to Austin. If you have feedback for us, info at clearwaterjazz.com is the best place to send that, and we will try to uh, respond. If you have specific requests for topics, please include those, and we'll try to get to those as well. All of the upcoming Young Lions Jazz Master virtual sessions are at clearwaterjazz.com's education and outreach page, and you can now see all archived past videos in what we call the studio. So check that out. There's a lot of great resources there. Austin Vickery is a saxophonist, woodwind specialist, composer, arranger, and music educator who currently resides in St. Petersburg, Florida. Born and raised in Utah, Austin developed a love for music at a young age and was awarded the Louis Armstrong Jazz Award upon graduating high school. He holds a Bachelor of Music in Saxophone Performance from the University of Utah and a Master of Music and Jazz Studies from the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. From 2004 to 2008, Austin was the Assistant Musical Director at Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana, where he directed the Earlham College Jazz Band, assisted with the Earlham Orchestra, and taught private lessons on saxophone and in jazz theory. From 2010 to 2016, Austin was the Adjunct Professor of Music for the Music Industry and Recording Arts Program at St. Petersburg College where he taught classes in music theory, improvisation, performance techniques, and music appreciation. Currently, Austin is the adjunct woodwind instructor for John Hopkins Middle School in St. Pete. He, in addition to teaching, Austin keeps a busy performing schedule in place throughout the St. Pete, Tampa Bay area with his own groups and as a sideman. If you'd like to learn more information about Austin or to connect with him, please look for him on Facebook or visit his website, austinvickery.com. Austin, we're so glad to have you back with us uh, for the Young Lions Jazz Master virtual sessions on your topic today called Baritone Sax Basics. The stage is all yours, my friend. Thank you so much, Steve. I really, really appreciate this opportunity, and thank you uh, to you and all the folks at uh, Clearwater Jazz Holiday for uh, having me be a part of these sessions. I'm very, very happy to to share what I have uh, in terms of knowledge, and I hope that uh, people will get a lot out of it. So um, again, I am excited to do this masterclass today. Um, it's on a topic that um, I came to learn how to play baritone saxophone when I was in graduate school, and um, it has taken me a long way in my music career and has gotten me a lot of really notable accolades um, that I, I'm just very lucky to have. So I'm fortunate to share this uh, information with you. Uh, today is uh, baritone sax basics. So I'm gonna talk about um, just basic learning the baritone saxophone. We'll expand on uh, gear. Um, I've got my iPad off to the side that's got my PowerPoint, which you all can find in the uh, uh, materials on the clearwaterjazz.com uh, slash education website. I'll be posted up for this Zoom meeting where you can access this PowerPoint that I'm going to be reading from today. So if you see me looking off to the side, I'm just looking at my notes um, so that I can uh, keep the flow going. So here we go. Um, today's discussion topics. Um, we're going to talk about preparation and assembly of the baritone saxophone. Uh, we're going to talk about posture, breathing, hand position, playing position, embouchure, and tone production. I've got some basic stuff. We'll just cover it very quickly. Um, we'll talk a little bit about sound, how to articulate on the instrument, um, and some uh, options for learning technique on the baritone saxophone. Um, I'll also talk about some gear, saxophone brands. If you're interested in purchasing or learning to play baritone saxophone, um, I can talk about some of the prominent brands that uh, you are uh, going to have the most luck with. Um, also, we'll talk about reeds, mouthpieces, just a little bit. That's always a very heavy, heavy topic <laughs> in saxophone world, um, but I'll touch on it a little bit in terms of the baritone. And then also, um, I've got some recommended uh, listening 
and uh, prominent jazz uh, Barry players and some recordings. And uh, I think Steve is creating a uh, playlist on Spotify um, that I have sent. Uh, I sent some uh, tracks to him. The, so the, the recommended listening um, will be up on Spotify for you to check out. All right. So the first thing we need to do is to talk about preparation and assembly of the baritone saxophone. Um, I'm doing this for people who are just brand new to uh, baritone saxophone. Again, this is a basics course. Um, so we'll talk about starting out. So you want to make sure that you've got your saxophone, first of all, <laughs> and a case that goes with it. Um, in that case, you should have a neck strap. Looks like this. Um, I also have a harness. Um, I'm a short stature guy. I'm 5'3". Um, a lot of well-known very players are actually quite tall <laughs> and larger. Um, but um, some people feel comfortable with uh, an actual harness. Um, but uh, I'm just going to use a neck strap today. A regular neck strap um, will work just fine. Um, just be aware that the bar baritone sax is quite heavy, uh, much heavier than um, alto or tenor. So um, if your neck starts to hurt, then I suggest, you know, searching out uh, a harness. Um, I think the one harness that I've got is called uh, Neotech. Uh, it's kind of stretchy and spongy, um, which isn't the best, but it's a little bit more comfortable than just a regular neck strap. But I really like this one. This is called an Oleg neck strap. I don't know if he makes these anymore, um, but you, you can, uh, you can uh, look them up, O-L-E-G. Oleg is the name of the neck strap that I'm using. Um, I found very, uh, uh, very affordable neck straps at uh, Sam Ash, actually, um, like $12, $12-$13 that's got a nice little pad and they don't stretch when the saxophone doesn't pull away from you. Uh, very sturdy, very comfortable. So, you know, there's lots of options out there. Um, you want to make sure that you've got a mouthpiece. I've got my mouthpiece right here. Um, this is a metal mouthpiece. Um, I use it for jazz. Uh, most baritone sax saxophones themselves will come with a plastic or a hard rubber mouthpiece. Um, we can talk a little bit more about the difference between metal and hard rubber later. But right now, this is my mouthpiece. I can just show you right here. So you want a mouthpiece. Uh, you'll need what's called a ligature. Ligature is what holds the reed in place. Mine is also an Oleg, Olegature. It's kind of uh, like a gold chain type of thing, which is interesting. But it'll have screws on it. Not all ligatures look like that. Some are just metal with screws on it. Um, you will need reed. This is what produces the sound. Very, very important. So you need reeds. Um, you'll also want to make sure that you've got a mouthpiece cap. Okay, and that's, that's what protects the tip of the mouthpiece uh, when you're not playing it, and it also protects the reed. So want to have all of those things. You also want to have with you, um, when you purchase your saxophone or if you're renting your saxophone um, from a distributor or whatever, you can also have a, uh, you want to make sure you get a care kit. Uh, they'll sell you a care kit for, their for the instrument. So like a polishing cloth, um, a cleaning swab. I've got a quite large and long cleaning swab for the baritone saxophone. Um, and uh, also some cork grease. Okay, it just looks like a tube of chapstick, but do not use it as chapstick. If you've got middle school kids and you're a band director, watch out for them using it as chapstick. You don't want that to happen. It's not the same thing. All right. <laughs> so that's what you need to have to start with baritone sax. Okay, so when we assemble the saxophone, and you'll see mine is already set up here. I've got a saxophone stand. Um, oh yeah, that's also what you may wanna have. If, you, if you're a person that wants to learn baritone saxophone, and um, you might wanna get a stand for it. <laughs> they, you need a special baritone sax stand. I'll, I'll pull this in front of the camera so you can kinda see it. Um, it's a pretty big stand. So you don't have to, it's a, it's a big and cumbersome instrument. Um, moving it around can be tricky. So you wanna make sure, and tiring. So you wanna make sure that you have a saxophone stand that's pretty sturdy. Um, I've got one that's called onstage stance. 
Um, I want to get a new one. I think one of the best stands out there is a brand called Hercules, uh, just like the uh, just like the mythical god <laughs> Hercules. Uh, they make incredibly great stands and sturdy stands. All right, so this saxophone's already out of the case, but when you do grab the saxophone, the, at least the baritone saxophone, you never want to grab it by the keys. Oh, I'm on the wrong side. Flipped video. So on the right side of the saxophone, you'll see a series of rods that go down the saxophone like this, okay? Um, you never want to grab like this on the saxophone ever, okay? You do not want to grab like that. These are what it's, this is what's going to be facing up to you when you open the case. So don't ever grab around the rods, okay? These are very delicate mechanisms and even a small bump or a fall or knocking it over um, can knock any keys out of place and cause air leaks, which makes it incredibly harder to play and expensive to fix. So when you grab the saxophone out of the case, I'm gonna move it over here. Now notice my hands were on the rods, but I'm, I'm not really grabbing the rods, I'm just bracing it, okay? You wanna grab the saxophone by the bell and you wanna use both hands. So I'm gonna grab by the bell, just like this, okay? Also this mechanism where it kind of wraps around, there are no keys here. There's nothing here to harm the saxophone. So you just grab it like this, okay? So we've got that. That's how you wanna get it out of the case. And I like to get out of the case and set it on my stand first. Um, you also want to have your reed soaking. I've got a cup of water. It's important that the reed is soaking while you put the instrument together. Um, or you can have it in your mouth. A lot of people just use uh, saliva to, to um, have, the reed, have the reed ready. Um, then we're going to grab our neck right here. This is the neck. we got the mouthpiece. We're just going to put it on, slide it on. Um, depending on your mouthpiece, about halfway down the cork is usually a pretty good guess for now. Okay, and what's next is you want to make sure you've got your ligature. Now, my ligature's got these screws. Important thing, all ligatures are different. Uh, some are more common than others um, in terms of what they look like. Um, but this one has screws that are on the top. And the way you can tell is that when you put the ligature on properly, the screws always face to the right. Okay, to the right side of you. You wanna screw them on from the right side. So if you put the ligature on and, and it's not working, then maybe you wanna flip it around um, or turn it the other way, but you always wanna screw it on from the right side. Now I've been playing a little bit before, so I don't need to soak my reed as long, but I've got my reed. And the way we wanna put the reed on is um, there's a flat table to the reed, we call it the table. And there's also a flat part to the mouthpiece. Okay, so we're gonna meet flat to flat, okay, or face to face. So I wanna put the flat part of the reed against the flat part of the mouthpiece. The best way to put the reed on, and this is really important, especially if you're a band director um, trying to teach young kids, um, you wanna have the ligature nice and loose and slide it up. A lot of people or young students tend to put the reed on and then the ligature on top of it. The problem with that is, if you're not careful, just demonstrate real quick. If you're not careful, the ligature, you can chip that tip of the reed and then that reed's done. And baritone saxophone reeds are way more expensive than alto or tenor reeds just because of the sheer size. So you wanna be really careful. So ligature on first, nice and loose. I'm gonna slide it up. I'm gonna slide the butt of the reed in between the ligature and the mouthpiece. And then I'm gonna line it up so where I can see just a tip of the mouthpiece over the reed. And then my ligature is gonna come past the edge of the, uh, of the mouthpiece right here where it starts to curve down. It's gonna come past that. And then I'm going to snug up the ligature it doesn't have to be too tight, but tight enough so that the, 
the reed does not move, okay? You don't want the reed to be moving. It needs to create a nice flat seal against the mouthpiece. All right, we've got that all set, okay? Next thing we wanna do is we're gonna take the neck, we're gonna put it, we're gonna assemble it on the berry sacks. But the way I would like to do that is take your mouthpiece cap and just go ahead and put it over the mouthpiece and set this aside while you pick up the berry. That way we're not hurting the reed or damaging it. I'm gonna lay it across, I've got a very small apartment. <laughs> uh, so everything's kind of crowded here. But I'm gonna attach my neck strap to the ring right here on the back of the saxophone. And then I'm gonna make sure that the screw, there's a screw right here on the top, is nice and loose. And then I'm gonna insert the neck. I'm gonna gently push and twist, just like that. And then I'm gonna tighten it. Let's see where we at. Okay, we're in good shape. Perfect. All right, so we've got the saxophone assembled. Now I've got a chair that's got arms. Typically you won't have a chair that has arms, so it's not in the way. Um, but we wanna talk about posture and playing position. So the way to perform correctly is you wanna have good posture. So first thing is have both feet flat on the ground, okay, in front of you. Almost like your knees like a, or your legs are at a 90, 90 degree angle, okay? And then we're going to sit on the edge of the chair, um, sitting up straight so that we're not slouching or back here like this. Lots of kids do this. No, no go, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so sitting up straight, not so straight that you're tense, okay? But not too, we don't wanna slouch like this, okay? Your head should always be straight forward when you're playing, okay? That's, our body should be aligned, our spine should be aligned. This goes for almost any other wind instrument that you play. Um, we wanna have good posture always. I'm gonna take the mouthpiece off, okay? You wanna make sure that you're breathing properly when you play any wind instrument, but especially for baritone because it's a big instrument and you're gonna need a lot of air. You gotta push a lot of air through this instrument. So the best way to check to see if you're breathing correctly um, and breathing well, I'm gonna set this right here, is to sit up straight and put your hand just on your stomach right below your sternum, okay? And you wanna breathe in and feel the expansion of your stomach. And your stomach should come out. You can practice that now with me if you want. You can breathe in, two, three, go. And then push out with your diaphragm. Okay, if you've ever done yoga, this is great. This is proper breathing. Be careful not to raise shoulders when breathing. Okay, this creates a shallow breath and you're not gonna get enough air and you're not gonna be able to support the air going through the instrument. Okay, so you wanna make sure that you're breathing here. A good way to test this to see if you are is laying down flat on your back like on a bed and taking a small item like a book or even your phone or something, setting it on your stomach, right where I put my hand here and just breathe normally because when you're on your back, it's impossible for you to do this raised shoulder action, okay? And then just really feel how breathing works in your body. It's a very natural thing. All right, hand position, very quickly. So hand position, you want to be, again, just like with breathing, hand position, you wanna be as natural as possible. So I'm gonna take my right hand, I'm gonna set it down by my side. You can't see it, it's out of the view, but it's relaxed. You can practice this too. And, um, and then I'm just gonna bring it up like this, like I'm going to shake somebody's hand, although I'm probably not gonna be doing that for a while now. Sorry. Um, but you wanna have a natural curvature to your hand. And on the, on the bottom part of the saxophone, there is a thumb hook, okay? And you're just going to keep that relaxed position and hook your thumb underneath. Your hand should naturally fit onto the pearls. Now my saxophone is black, so it's hard to, hard to see, but I have black pearls on here, okay? And my hand position is very relaxed, normal. I can press the keys with almost no effort at all, okay? So you wanna have a, hand, a relaxed hand position. Um, 
Same thing here on the left hand as it comes up. So typically where you want to put your hand is there is a key. This is hard to get with the visual. <laughs> there's a top key. You want to avoid that key first and come to the second key. Then there's a tiny key. You're going to skip that key, put your middle finger there, and then your ring finger here. And on this side, your pinky operates a bunch of these spatula keys, we call them. So that's where you're going to put your hands. On the back, there is a thumb placement. Let's see if I can get it. There we go. You can see where it's kind of worn down. That's where your thumb goes. A lot of modern baritone saxophones have two keys. This one's the register key. This one is the low A key. That's the lowest note on the berry sax. Um, some older berry saxes don't even have this key, but um, modern technology and uh, evolution of the baritone saxophone has uh, forced <laughs> the creation of this low A key, which is a super fun note. And if we have some time, I'll be able to play it for you. All right, so we've got our hand position. Okay, playing position is the saxophone is going to go to the right of your body, okay? And you do not want to have a leaning posture like this. This is a very common beginning thing to do is to lean. And we want to avoid that. Always keep a straight posture. And the saxophone should naturally, the neck should come right up to your mouth. And if it doesn't, then you need to adjust your saxophone. Um, adjust your neck strap. Never move to the saxophone. Let it make it come to you. Okay. Keep your good posture. Always make it come to you. Um, if you have to adjust the neck slightly to get a posture, get a you have to adjust the mouthpiece. Sometimes we need to twist it because if it's twisted too much this way, then my head's going to be cocked out this way, and I don't want to have a cocked head like this. And again, my head needs to be straightforward when I play, just like that. Okay. Embouchure. I see that we're we're kind of running a little bit low on time. Steve, how am I on time? Austin, you're doing great. We don't have any time limitations today, so don't, oh. feel, don't feel constrained. Take all the time you need. Great. Thank you. I'm kind of like, oh, no, it's close to five. All right. Great. Well, this, this makes me feel better. You're all, all right. good. Embouchure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So to demonstrate embouchure, and that's a fancy word for how you hold your mouth with relation to the mouthpiece to make a sound. That's a fancy, fancy word. Um, I'm going to set the whole saxophone on my stand. And I'm going to just use the neck and mouthpiece, okay, to make a sound. And, and I highly recommend this to people who are starting out on the baritone saxophone. Um, if you're just starting out, if you've never played any kind of saxophone before, um, start, and I always start my students on the mouthpiece and neck. Um, I do the same thing for beginning kids in middle school. I start them, um, I start them with the mouthpiece reed and the neck first and get them to make a sound. So I do this, I would recommend the same thing to adults, um, high school, anybody who's just learning how to play. Um, so with our embouchure, um, you're going to start by rolling your bottom lip about half of it. Now, everyone's lips are different. Some people have thin lips, some people have thicker lips. About half of it over your bottom teeth, like this. See my teeth? Just like that. You're gonna roll it in, okay? And you're gonna place about half an inch of the reed in your mouth. Like that, okay? Your top teeth are going to rest and I say rest, not bite, because we're not trying to bite into the instrument, okay? We wanna be firm and support the reed. So we're not gonna bite, we're gonna rest. We're gonna rest the top teeth on the mouthpiece, about a half inch in, just like, just matching the bottom, bottom lip. And the top lip is going to just rest down on top of the mouthpiece like so. Okay? Now, one of the most important things is the corners of your mouth. What to do with the corners of the mouth? The corners of the mouth are going to focus inward, like you're saying the syllable to 
or do. Now it's not ooh with a pooched out lips like this because our lip is going to be curled in and this lip is going to be resting on the mouthpiece. So we want to do this ooh. Okay. Mm. It's really important that the corners of the mouth are turned in in this ooh, because if they're not, then it allows us to uh, more easily not support the air. And the cheeks are going to probably inflate. There's a big myth sometimes floating around about, oh, to get more air, I got to have my cheeks inflated. No, no, no. Okay, we want to focus the air. So it's, we're not going to inflate our cheeks. Really, really careful about that. So keeping the corners inward as if you're saying do or to help with that. Okay, and then finally, the last thing is to make sure that you're having a flat chin. And by flat right here, I've got a lot of hair, so it's hard to see. Um, but you can pretend like you're pointing your chin down, down to the floor. That'll help draw it down and create this flat flatness. Now, for people who don't have facial hair on the chin, um, you can tell if the embouchure is not correct by seeing a bunched chin or dimples, okay? It'll be like kind of bunchy like this, or they're kind of not rolling in enough. So you want to avoid that. Um, if you're doing this on your own uh, or an adult, um, you can practice in a mirror. A mirror is a great way to practice. So altogether, embouchure is going to look like this. Okay, and now with this embouchure, we're just going to take a nice proper breath from here. We're going to blow until we feel some sound happen, and it's going to sound like this. Pretty, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so. That's, that's what you want to do to help get sound production. And I have my kid, and the kids love this. When kids are starting to first play, and this is a moment that is just really incredible to see a kid um, or a student who has never played an instrument before. And to see when they make that sound and their eyes just light up or they laugh or they giggle because of the vibration. It's, it's, it's really, really fun to watch. It's just really incredible. You see that little spark of excitement like, oh my gosh, I did this. Um, so it's fun. It's fun for them. And they can have fun making crazy sounds. But you want to make sure that you're always watching for those fundamentals that I mentioned. All right. Tone production, we just did that. Taking a nice deep breath, supporting it from here. Okay. No shoulder raising. Keeping the corners drawn in in your mouth and not to inflate the cheeks. So here's some tips for creating a good sound. Um, for those of, uh, those of you, if you're watching this video um, and you're an intermediate player, um, you probably know everything that I just said. So here are some things to help develop your sound. And this works for both intermediate people and beginners, sorry, intermediate players. <laughs> um, uh, but also for advanced people, there are some uh, advanced players that do all of these things on a regular basis so that they can maintain a good, pure, and rich sound. And that's what we're striving for. Um, because on baritone saxophone, what your, your goal is not to be able to play fast. That should not be your goal. Or to play low all the time. Um, the baritone has a quite wide range despite its... Um, reputation for playing low. Um, it's got a very wide range um, of sound and timbre, which is the color of sound or how, it, how the, the characteristic of sound. And in order to really, really execute um, the baritone saxophone and make it sound great, you've got to have a good developed sound. So here are some things that I like to do to develop my sound. And I'll go ahead and put the baritone together now. <clears throat> All right. Just adjusting. Okay. So long tones, 
if anyone has any had any experience with um, uh, wind instruments, um, a teacher has probably told you one what one, uh, one time or another. Long tones are where it's at, and they're boring. They're so boring. But really, what we want to do is we're focusing on tone and sound and air. Air is the most important thing. Without the air, you don't have a sound. So you have to support it. So I like to start out by playing kind of mid-range long tones. So I start with my, my and you can't see because of my bell, but my left hand is going to go my first three fingers down. And I could do this with a, just with a metronome, like a click, click, click. And just do a four count, and I'll do eight eight counts. And since I have this hand free, I can go ahead and do that. So here's an example of a long tone. And I'm just going to focus on keeping the tone straight and pushing the air through at a consistent speed. Two, three, and. Now that actually came out higher than I planned it to be. <laughs> it should have been. So we can practice these long tones to get a good sound. Um, practicing them in uh, different dynamics, meaning soft and loud. Soft is, is, is always harder than loud. And it takes a tremendous amount of support, breath support, to play soft, especially in the lower range. So it's always good to work, uh, work on the um, lower range because that's the characteristic sound of the berry. I'll play a couple of these uh, low range notes for you um, because everybody loves to hear those honk. And it's a berry player's dream to play the low notes. Okay, so here are some low tone exercises. I'm going to go. Uh, down uh, from a higher note, down the full range. a tricky one. We got two more. And this last one is the lowest note on the instrument, that low A. <laughs> That's such a fun sound. I love playing that low A. Super fun. So um, a baritone is tough. Uh, if you've never played baritone before, it's very awkward to try to get the low notes out. If you're a saxophone player that's, uh, say, an alto player or a tenor player, um, it might be even more tricky, to be honest, um, because you're used to having a much firmer embouchure to create those notes. Baritone there's a lot of give. So um, at least for me, now everyone is different and everyone's mouthpiece read setup is different, which I can talk about in a, in a few minutes. Um, but uh, you're gonna have to make micro adjustments in your lip pressure and jaw pressure to make sure that the reed is vibrating fully enough to create these low tones. Okay, so, so you may have to experiment with just um, moving your lips a little bit or moving. That was a weird thing. Siri just talked to me. <laughs> um, moving your lips a little bit and uh, maybe moving your jaw a little bit. You have to be adjusting and it begins to be uh, muscle memory so that you can feel and hear how these notes are going to sound. Um, and that leads me to mouthpiece reads. Um, 
if you don't have a good mouthpiece and reed set up, um, you're going to struggle. And we don't want to struggle. We want to make this as easy and as fun as possible. So having a mouthpiece and reed combination that works is really, really important. Um, most of the baritone saxophones that you would buy or rent have a mouthpiece that's a very beginner mouthpiece, um, not typically designed for professional playing yet. So you may have to play on that piece for a while until you start to feel, okay, I think I need something else if I want to go further. Um, so we can talk about those options. Um, I'm going to talk briefly about articulation. When we start the sound, and this is for most saxophones, but we're going to use the tongue, tip of the tongue to the tip of the reed, okay? Um, you want to avoid using too much tongue on the reed, like the fat part of the tongue. I know that's kind of gross. I'm sticking my tongue out, but um, if you use too much of that fat part, you get a thunky, honky sound that's not super pleasant. So it would sound like this. Okay, we don't want that. We don't want that. So you have to learn to use the tip of the tongue. Bit of a thick tongue to create a sound effect called the slap tongue, but that's an advanced technique. Um, that's something that I sometimes will do. Um, I won't demonstrate it too much here since this is a beginning thing. Um, maybe in a future session we can talk about some of the advanced uh, saxophone techniques. Um, all right, so um, now I want to talk about how to develop your technique, and the best way to do this is either through a method book that a private teacher gives you, or um, if it's for middle schoolers, uh, certain method books um, the band director is gonna use. Um, for middle school, I recommend uh, books called Essential Elements. Um, they've got Essential Elements 2000, I think. I'm not sure if they've done a 3000, but I think it's just Essential Elements 2000. Comes with a CD. Uh, it's got a good, good examples for the kids. Um, other books include Accent on Achievement or uh, Standard of Excellence. These are all listed in the PDF that um, is gonna be provided on the website after this session. Um, so you can, you can check all this out. Um, don't feel like you have to take notes. Um, so it's all in the PDF if I seem to go fast. Um, for high school or adult beginning players, um, I've got some examples of books here. Um, and the first one I'm gonna recommend is the Rubank series. Um, there's an elementary, oh, this says oboe. <laughs> um, I had an oboe. I have a, my saxophone one, I think, is on my stand in the back. Um, uh, I taught oboe for like a few months. <laughs> so I have an elementary oboe. I grabbed it and did see, because these all look alike. They all have kind of the same look to them. Um, but there's an intermediate and an advanced as well. Um, these, are, these are excellent books, very good for beginners for reading and for tone exercises. Um, other method books include this one. It's called um, 25 Daily Studies for Saxophone by H. Close. Um, I really like this book. I used this in college. Um, there are plenty of really good, uh, it's a great exercise in eighth notes and, and articulation um, and uh, learning how to phrase. So this is a really good book. These are fairly cheap too, by the way. Um, some more advanced books uh, that, uh, you can start studying with if you start to go further. Um, uh, 48 Famous Studies, this is a classic one. Um, it says for oboe and saxophone. Uh, this is a really good one uh, by uh, W. Fairling. And um, I like this one too, Daily Studies. Got a little glare there. Daily Studies for All Saxophones by Trent Kiniston. This is an excellent book for scales. Really, 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 really good for scales. It's got all the scales in thirds and fourths and 16th notes and ways to articulate. Uh, it's fantastic, wonderful. Um, if you're looking for more melodic stuff, um, this is Melodious and uh, Progressive Studies. 
uh, for saxophone. This is book two. A lot of people recommend book two. Now keep in mind, these are for um, folks who are kind of studying technique, might be tendency to be playing on the concert band or classical side. And I know we're doing Clearwater Jazz Holiday, but I learned classical studies as well. I mean, there's, there's not, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I think learning classical as well as jazz is just expanding on your musicianship. And you're going to learn a lot that way. You're going to learn a lot about yourself and the techniques um, of saxophone. So highly recommended. Um, you can also use like Easy Pop and Disney uh, books. You can get those at Sam Ash. Um, you want to make sure it's for baritone sax or alto saxophone is also okay. And the reason that is, is because alto sax and baritone sax are in the same key. That means they can read the same music and it's not going to make that much difference at all. It's going to sound the same, except the baritone is going to sound lower. Okay. An octave lower. Um, I have an old one called 50 golden, uh, 50 Golden Saxophone Solos has got always, these are much older songs, but I don't have a Disney one. Could do Disney is like super popular right now. So that's always fun to learn easy Disney tunes. It's a great way to develop tone, rhythm, um, reading skills, really good. Um, or a pop music one, you can get pop music ones. Now onto the jazz stuff. A lot of people are like, what kind of jazz stuff? I wanna do jazz baritone saxophone. All right, so for jazz and modern playing, there's so many out there. I mean, I probably, I've got a lot of them, but I don't have them all. <laughs> and there's new ones coming out every year. So um, these are just some of the ones that I have worked out of and that I like. Um, there may be another teacher who recommends others. So um, you just kind of have to try stuff out and see what you like and see, what, uh, see what's out there. Um, the Jazz Conception by Lenny Niehaus is a really good book. This is a duets book, um, but he has a basic, intermediate, and advanced conception. Excuse me. And this, this is really good for etudes that uh, are characteristic of the jazz style, really good for learning jazz articulation. Um, another one that I highly recommend for any improviser out there to develop their vocabulary is called Patterns for Jazz uh, by Jerry Coker. This is the treble clef version. Um, there's no different pitch for a specific instrument. So you just buy the treble clef and it's, um, it translates to all instruments. Um, also the, uh, there's a bass clef version for bass clef instruments, but this, this is an invaluable book and it's only, I mean, I only, it was like 25 bucks. Um, patterns for jazz. Love this one. If you want to develop jazz vocabulary, this is a, and your versatility, uh, moving through it really, really good book. Obviously, this one has been my Bible for a long time, the Charlie Parker Omni book. It's got Charlie Parker transcriptions. Um, and then nowadays you can just go online, just search for the, the tune and listen to see if it's the transcription. Back in the day when I was learning this, I had to go buy CDs. And now that sounds even dated. <laughs> I had to guess and, and, and hopefully it would line up with the recording. Uh, but they have um, actually actual record vinyl numbers attached to these. Um, so if you're a record collector, then you can try to do that. But anyway, this is a, a, a jazz Bible, one of the many. Really good one. Um, the Real Book. Almost every jazz player has a real book of some kind. This is the first one. It's the legal one. There was a bunch of illegal ones floating around in the day. This is the published version, uh, the sixth edition, published through Hal Leonard. Um, now this is a concert pitch book, um, but you wanna make sure it says E flat. E flat is the one that you want. Um, I work out of concert pitch a lot of times. Uh, sometimes I have to as part of my job as a musician and a reading musician, so I learn how to read concert pitch, but don't worry about that, okay? You don't, you don't need to start there. Make sure that you get E flat, the baritone saxophone is in the key of E flat. So you want to get that first, okay? Another great series that I have a few books from, and I just chose this one, is Jerry Berganzi's Inside Improvisation. Uh, this is volume two, Pentatonics. Pentatonics are uh, scales that are real easy to learn. Um, they can get you around, they can get you starting improvising uh, very quickly. Uh, There's only five tones, pentatonic, five tones. Um, but this is kind of an advanced book for those who've uh, done some study already with tone and can get around the instrument. Uh, 
obviously for people who can who can read i would recommend this for intermediate to advanced players but his improvisation series inside improvisation series is fantastic it's a really 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 great book and i think it comes with a cd too so you can play along with it um the old tried and true jamie abersold uh play alongs um i think you can buy them digitally now i'm not sure um there is a uh cd floating around of a bunch of them <laughs> but um I have a very large collection that I've bought of uh, Jamie Abersold books and play-alongs and recordings. Um, these are a really great source for um, learning how to improvise for jazz scales and for learning um, the jazz language and jazz songs and standards that are played a lot. So those ju that's just a slice of the amount of resources and educational material that is out there. Um, if you have questions, you can contact me about some more stuff if you want, but all of this is included in the PDF. All right. Um, I know we're getting, we're getting close to an hour here. I'm almost done, but, um, let's talk briefly about, uh, gear, saxophone gear. Okay. I could probably go another hour, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> so saxophone brands. Okay. You're in the market to get a sax, a, 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 a baritone saxophone. Where do you start? How do you know what's good? There are so many brands out there. It's incredible. Um, some of the brands, uh, I'm gonna list a few of the most famous and prominent brands and probably the most trustworthy brands um, that um, I have found to be uh, good for beginners, intermediate and advanced players. So um, the saxophone that I'm playing on, <clears throat> this is a Cannonball. Cannonball is a company based out of Utah, Salt Lake City, which is where I'm from. I'm not from Salt Lake City, but I'm from Utah. Um, and they're a fantastic company. They make tremendously good horns um, and usually for a fairly affordable price. Um, I really like their baritone saxes. Um, this one was just such a deal. I had to snatch it up. It played so well. Um, the fact that it was black all around, <laughs> that's... That's just coincidence. I played a lot of different saxophones, and, and that's it. Um, if you've never played sax and you're looking to buy, I highly recommend getting a, a, a teacher or a professional that's a friend to go with you to the store to try them out or have that person try them out for you. It's so worth it. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be uh, buying blind, and that can be a disaster because these things are not cheap. Um, they can be twice or three times what an alto is, just depending on uh, depending on the brand and depending on if it's used or new. So, I mean, baritones can range anywhere from uh, two or three thousand dollars up to ten or twelve or fifteen thousand. It just depends. So, you want to be careful. Shop for your budget, but um, you know, I recommend if you've never bought a saxophone before, find a professional. Um, to give advice or to go with you if you can. Uh, most professionals or teachers like myself are more than happy to, and I've done that with several students to help them choose a horn or choose a mouthpiece or choose gear. Um, more than happy to do that. Um, if you are, um, oh, sorry. Okay, other brands. Selmer, that's one of the most famous brands. Yamaha, I have a Yamaha tenor I really love. Um, Kyle Worth is also a good brand. Yana Gisawa, which is my alto and my soprano. I have both Yana Gisawas. Uh, Jupiter makes a pretty decent horn. Um, P. Marriott, some older horns that you can look out for that might be cheaper if they play well are Martin, Khan, or King brands. Um, you can usually find these uh, maybe in pawn shops or yard sales for fairly cheap, less than $1,000 probably. Uh, just depends, and hopefully it will play well. It may require maintenance, you never know, because those those horns are pretty old. Um, mouthpieces. I mean, that's those are my recommended brands. There's tons, tons of brands out there. You just got to search. Um, but uh, mouthpieces, in terms of concert band, because um, concert band baritone or classical baritone, there's a couple of selections that I would recommend a Selmer C-Star or an S-80 mouthpiece. Um, Van Doren, uh, the Van Doren Optimum is a good choice. I have that for my Alto. I think I have an A7 
Um, you would want to get a B7 for baritone. And the V16 is also a good choice. Um, jazz mouthpieces. Good luck. There's a ton out there. It's incredible. Um, but I'm just going to go over the ones that um, I see are the most prominent ones that I've been using. Um, I played on a Berg Larson for a long time, B-E-R-G Larson. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the one mouthpiece brand that I, I really, really endorse a lot, and maybe I can get an endorsement, because <laughs> I play them on almost all of my horns, and I have one for every horn, is the Jody Jazz mouthpiece series. And I love them. I just think they're fantastic pieces. They're really well designed. Uh, they're free blowing. Um, they get a great tone. Uh, this one that I'm using is called the ESP model, but he doesn't make those anymore. But I highly recommend his hard rubber mouthpieces and um, the uh, DB series mouthpieces are really, really incredible. He's got a lot of good stuff. And Jody, uh, Jody Espina is his name. He's, he's up in Savannah. Uh, if you call him up, and say, hey, can I try some mouthpieces? He'll send some for you. Um, he's super great to work with. Um, I'm gonna include a mouthpiece chart uh, in the PDF uh, so you can check out. Um, it's got a list of all the prominent mouthpieces and comparisons with bright, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Uh, it's a really great source. Um, some other ones that are worth mentioning, the Meyer mouthpiece, uh, Autolink, Theowani, Ponzol, uh, Van Doren makes a good jazz mouthpiece. Uh, one that's all the rage now is called the Sios or uh, Shape Your Own Sound. Uh, they got really pretty colors like neon. They're really, really interesting. Um, but they're custom mouthpieces. And you can, uh, if you're an advanced player, you can go in, type in what you want out of a mouthpiece, and they'll create it for you, custom make it, and send it to you. Um, I haven't tried it yet. I'm really uh, interested in it. I'm going to see. Maybe I can. but getting into the mouthpiece game is expensive. <laughs> so you want to be careful about that. Um, Drake, Rousseau, I mean, uh, there's a ton. There's just a ton. So my best advice is play a bunch, try them out, uh, go to a local music store and see what they got. Um, there's also a website on here where you can order mouthpieces and try them. Although I don't know during this pandemic if they're going to let you do that. So you might be stuck with what you have when you buy a saxophone for now, unless you really want to make that, uh, that purchase and you know what you want. Um, try a lot of mouthpieces. That's all I can say. And again, you can have a professional or a teacher go with you. Uh, I highly recommend a private instructor who has had the experience and can tell you and can help you find something that's going to fit not only your mouth, but your playing style, the sound you want. Whew. That's a lot of information, <laughs> but um, that pretty much does it. But I, I want to end this with um, the listening selection. Um, it's included in the Spotify list on the materials for the clearwaterjazz.com. Uh, I think it's on the forward slash education site and uh, maybe moved to the studio site. I'm not sure where that's going to be, Steve. Maybe you can uh, tell them about that, but uh, it's definitely going to be up there on the Clearwater Jazz dot uh, com slash education site. Um, but some uh, prominent baritone saxophone players in jazz that you're going to want to listen to to help get that sound in your head and use as a role model for uh, learning baritone sax. And the number one sax baritone saxophone player, probably the most famous one, uh, the one that I first heard of is Jerry Mulligan. Um, and he was the first one I heard. And uh, what an incredible, incredible role model. Uh, his tone, uh, his articulation, his style, it's kind of a, a soft tone, um, more of that West Coast cool jazz kind of sound, but the lines are very bop-like. Um, just an incredible example. Um, he's on Miles Davis's Birth of the Cool, playing baritone sax. So if you've got Birth of the Cool already, go check that out. Um, he helped uh, compose some of the songs for that album. Um, you might also want to check out Jer uh, Jerry Mulligan with Chet Baker, quartet with Chet Baker. That's just an essential album. You should just go out and buy that or listen to it on Spotify. Um, and also my favorite recording is uh, called Two of a Mind uh, with Paul Desmond, uh, alto sax player, also in the same 
uh, style, West Coast. And those two together, it's just an incredible album. So highly recommend that. Um, the other bar uh, more baritone saxophone players, Pepper Adams. Okay, Pepper Adams is a fantastic, more aggressive, biting, um, gnarly tone, just kind of uh, just in your face baritone saxophone. But his personality was much more humble and you wouldn't expect that from him. <laughs> but he also played baritone sax for the Mingus Big Band. So if you heard any uh, Charles Mingus Big Band uh, albums, chances are you already heard Pepper Adams. Um, some albums to check out. Encounter, uh, 10 to 4 at the 5 spot, and Ephemera. Um, you also want to go ahead and check out um, Blues and Roots, uh, Charles Mingus uh, band album. So you can hear him play Monin. That's the Charles Mingus version of Monin. That's the most famous line. Almost every high school kid's probably played that part. <laughs> or college baritone sax players played that part. It's so much fun. Plus, there's a monster solo uh, section for Barry. It's a great Barry feature. Um, and the classic baritone saxophone player, Harry Carney with Duke Ellington's band. Now, Harry was with Duke Ellington's band through the duration of that band's lifetime. And uh, up right up until uh, Duke Ellington passed away, and then Harry passed away not much longer after that. I think within months. So. Um, uh, definitely get the Far East Suite, Duke Ellington. Check out track Agra, that movement, uh, that features Harry Carney on sax. You can hear that, that rich vibrato and deep tone. He's such a dynamic player. He uses uh, dynamics just like crazy, soft, loud. He knows when to grow. He knows how to shape his sound, shape a melodic line. Just incredible example to listen to. Um, another album you want to check out by Harry Connie is called The Duke's Men. And there's a YouTube link that I've included in this PDF uh, uh, with Duke Ellington playing piano and Harry Carney playing one of his uh, most featured songs, uh, Sophisticated Lady. You're going to want to check out that YouTube. It's incredible. And there's uh, some extended technique in there called Circular Breathing. And that's one of those techniques that I can do as well. Um, and he was doing it back then. It's really incredible. Uh, talk about tone control and breath control. Unbelievable. Um, the Three Baritone Sax Band. Wow, you got to check this out. This is an incredible group. It's three baritone saxophones and a rhythm section uh, featuring Nick Brignola, Gary Simoleon, and Ronnie Cooper. All three. Um, it's just a fantastic album. They play uh, Mulligan, Jerry Mulligan tunes. Um, and then also to dovetail that, just check out each of those uh, guys on Spotify. You can check them out on the artist. Nick Brignola, Gary Smullyan, S-M-U-L-Y-A-N, <clears throat> excuse me, and Ronnie Cooper, C-U-B-E-R. Um, unbelievable bar baritone players. Uh, definitely a little bit more modern and, and edgy, um, post-bop type of players. Um, uh, the last one I'm going to mention is Serge Chaloff. Now, he only lived to be about 33 years old, um, but he was featured mostly with the uh, Woody Herman band, and he didn't really get to be super famous, but uh, people in the saxophone world um, will know his name. Um, he was one of Woody Herman's original four brothers. Um, and you can check out that track called Four Brothers. Um, he plays baritone saxophone on that track. Another album by him is called Boston Blow Up that you want to check out. Um, there's some other notable players. I'll just kind of list them here. Uh, there's a ton of Barry players out there, and I'm going to list a, a baritone sax website you can go to check out as many as you want. Um, Joe Temperley, he plays with the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. Um, Haney at Bluyet, uh, Bill Perkins. Cecil Payne, Claire Daly, Leo Parker, James Carter. And James Carter plays all the horns, but you should hear him on Barry. It's ridiculous. Um, Dennis de Blasio, Jimmy Jufri, um, Joe Pellegrino. And Joe Pellegrino, or sorry, not Joe, Leo Pellegrino. Uh, some people might have heard of Leo Pe Pellegrino. He plays with a, a, a younger modern group called Too Many Zoos, Z-O-O-Z. Check him out. Um, you might have seen him in the earlier days doing some crazy dance moves with the baritone saxophone in the subway. 
He's got crazy hair, uh, colored hair. You got to check it out. <laughs> he's wild, man. Um, all right. And lastly, uh, some sources that you can go to online to check out more baritone sax uh, goodness. Um, check out the Jazz at Lincoln Center YouTube channel. They've got some really good instructional videos featuring Joe Temperley. Um, this is a great site I found. Uh, it's just, it's literally called jazzberrysax.com. A wealth, gold mine, of inf gold mine of information for baritone saxophones. It's got everything from articles on mouthpieces, reeds, gear, history, players. It's got everything. It's fantastic. And it keeps getting updated. So check it out if you're really into baritone saxophone. Um, I included a link to jodyjazz.com, uh, the mouthpiece facing chart. So there's a little guide that'll tell you um, the types of mouthpieces and their uh, brands and numbers on beginner, intermediate, jazz, light, dark, uh, the kinds of sounds. Um, you can use that as a guide. It's a really great guide. And then for gear, um, in terms of care, reads, and accessories, you can visit uh, www.wwbw, and that's .com. That stands for Woodwind and Brasswind. Um, I usually order all my stuff from there. If I can't get it in, in a store, um, I go there and I order, you know, reads, cord grease, cleaning kit if I need it, mouthpiece brush, all the accessories, and they have instruments on there too for sale. So you can check that out to your heart's content. Be careful of your budget. <laughs> Watch your budget on that one. And um, that's all I've got. So um, I hope everyone's enjoyed this. And um, if there's any questions, I know we've gone over an hour, but uh, I'm happy to answer any questions if anyone has them. So I'll turn that over to you, Steve. Austin, what a great session. Thank you so much. We are so lucky to have you working with us in the Young Lions Jazzmaster Virtual Sessions. You always approach everything um, uh, with such preparation. And um, it, the, these sessions are just so great. So we really appreciate it. You're a, you're a, a tremendous player as well. And we love, we love having you um, participate in Clearwater Jazz Holiday events, certainly at the festival. And um, for those that are listening today and in the future, we do have the session materials that you referenced up uh, with your topic right now. Right now it's listed under the upcoming sessions for today. And as you mentioned, we're gonna be moving that into the studio archive under the saxophone section. So people can access that wonderful resource you put together, but they also can access the Spotify playlist um, of these, um, these pieces that you were referring to. Um, such great stuff. And so take a look at all these upcoming sessions. Um, Austin, you're going to be back with us on July 15th for a session that uh, has a piano theme to it, a piano lesson from a horn player. So we're really looking <laughs> forward to that, um, talking about uh, why, why jazz horn players should learn piano, right? Absolutely, Steve. Yes. I think... Uh, Real quickly, I think learning piano as a jazz horn player is only going to improve your ability on the instrument, uh, the saxophone. Um, it's just, I think it's super essential. Um, I got to it a little bit later in my education and I wish that I would have gotten to it earlier. So I just feel as an educator and a musician um, that it is really, really important to the development of your musicianship as a jazz player to know a little bit of jazz piano. So we're just gonna talk about some simple stuff with that. And I'll have a teaser video that'll explain um, exactly what we're gonna co uh, cover. That's great, so that's on July 15th, and then you're back again with us on July 21st with how to incorporate bebop into your improvisation. So we're really, really looking forward to that as well. Uh, clearwaterjazz.com's education and outreach page. You can see all the upcoming topics and participating musicians and educators. We've got a great one tomorrow with Brandon Robertson, who's a director of jazz down at the Gulf Coast uh, University. Uh, and and uh, um, he's going to be back with us over a few additional topics as well. Um, just great players. You know, Valerie Gillespie um, is going to be with us soon, Pete Carney. 
who's a director of jazz at the State College of Florida in Bradenton and many others. Um, these sessions are added almost daily and are programmed into August and beyond. And uh, again, take advantage of the studio resource. All of those uh, recorded sessions are free. We're also in the process of launching a podcast. So if you are a podcast person, um, I believe that the Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions is now available on the Anchor platform, Apple Music, and Pocket Casts, with more to be added shortly, like Spotify. So um, a lot of the full session audio versions are up there already. So if you go to Apple Music, for instance, and you type in Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions, you'll see a handful of these sessions that we've had with more being added um, often. So uh, we'd like to thank also uh, the sponsors that support Clearwater Jazz Holiday Education and Outreach, specifically the Al Downing Tampa Bay Jazz Association, who is helping to expand the reach of this particular initiative. Very thankful to our friends there. And my name is Steve Weinberger. I'm the CEO of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation. On behalf of the foundation our, and our entire family, we hope you are enjoying these sessions. And uh, stay, stay safe, everybody. Uh, keep playing, and we'll see everybody real soon. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Steve. Certainly appreciate you. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. This podcast series is presented by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. To watch the video of this full session, please visit the education and outreach page at clearwaterjazz.com and click on the studio. You can also learn more about the annual Clearwater Jazz Holiday Music Festival tradition and Clearwater Jazz Holiday's year-round education and outreach at clearwaterjazz.com.